Strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. You're listening to Strong Girls Pod, where strong women share their stories to inspire strong girls. Welcome to Episode 6 of Strong Girls Pod, brought to you by WIS. Today is a special one, as I will be talking with my former teammate and current professional indoor volleyball player, Morgan Hentz. A three-time national champion with the Stanford Cardinal, Morgan now competes with the U.S. Women's National Team, is a member of the Athletes Unlimited Volleyball League, and is also a member of the Atlanta Vibe in the brand new Professional Volleyball Federation. Morgan uses a simple focus to ground herself in both life and in sport. Focus on the controllables. Giving 100% effort into what she's doing is in her nature, and I can't wait for you to hear her methods for doing so. But... Before we jump in, we are going to hear from our amazing sponsor, WIS. Going back with our WIS tips series. Tip number one, save more money than you spend, right? So make sure that you have three buckets, three primary buckets. One is money that you want to spend. And the second one is money that you want to save. And the third one is money that you want to give away. Um, do you have any tips when it comes into older, like people who are starting their first jobs or people who are in college? Do you have any tips kind of catered to that idea of like saving versus spending first? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're lucky enough to have a company that has a retirement account, I would definitely take advantage of that. If your company does not have a retirement account, you can open what's called a Roth IRA or an, an individual retirement account, just a regular traditional IRA and put money in there pre-tax. And you might think, I'm so young, how can I think of retirement? Well, you have to think of retirement and the younger you are, when you think about it, the better because that money can grow. You can also, if it's a retirement account, you wanna grow that money. So you wanna invest in something that's diversified, that's gonna grow over time because you have, let's say 40, 50, you know, 40 years until you're going to tap into that money. So I would say retirement account, growing the money according to the time horizon that you'll, you'll, you'll be uh, needing that, that money. And then investing when you're, when you are investing, just start early. You have some financial education that, that you can get on our, in our series we did with, with Kelly O'Hara called, So You Want to Invest. There's a lot out there for people that don't know where to start. I love it. It's fun to hear just like the sheer volume of availability that there is to learn about this and to kind of get involved in it. Alrighty, and that's tip number one, folks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Strong Girls Pod. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom, and I am here with U.S. Women's National Team libero and former Stanford Women's Indoor Volleyball player, Morgan Hentz. Morgan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Charlie. Happy to be here. It's so fun that I get to experience you in this setting beyond our college setting because for the listeners, she was a star on the indoor court, but for a brief point in time, she was also 
an absolute star for the beach volleyball team my <laughs> freshman year. We were a little bit of a ragtag team, but when we put it all together, Morgan was a huge piece of it. And it was fun as a freshman getting to experience the greatness that is Morgan Hentz altogether. <laughs> I think you're hyping me up too much, but I absolutely loved my time on the beach. It was, remind me why I love the sport of volleyball so much. It's so fun. Okay, so I gave you a brief background, Mo, but I think going in, for all of the listeners who don't know your full story, would you give us a little background and story of your career, spanning why you chose volleyball, like all of the beginnings of how you came to be, and then kind of spanning into what you're doing now? So give yeah. us your journey. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Northern Kentucky. I started playing volleyball in third grade, but just for my school team, we had like a little rec league. And... My best friends heading into sixth grade were actually triplets and they played club volleyball and that was the first time I've ever heard of club volleyball and they're like, you should give it a try. And I was trying to figure out how to just be around my friends as much as possible. So I was like, okay, mom, dad, I want to, I want to try out. Luckily ha made a team, got the chance to experience club volleyball, was, had no idea what I was doing at first. They had all this terminology that I didn't understand, like base to read. And I just looked like a chicken with my head cut off running around the court. <laughs> uh, but I absolutely loved the friendships that I gained from playing club volleyball. And that's what kept me in the sport. And, and eventually I started to understand the terminology, picked up on some of the skills and just fell in love with the sport, especially the defensive part of the sport, which eventually led me to Stanford where I feel like I found a second family in both the indoor and beach volleyball team, still stay in touch with tons of my teammates and playing at Stanford, got the chance to continue playing. My first year out of Stanford, I played overseas and dressed in Germany, which was during COVID. Uh, it was a really bizarre experience, but just because of COVID, everyone had a, such a strange time during COVID. But after that, I decided to come back to the States and play in this league called Athletes Unlimited which has a very unique format, but I absolutely love. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Pretty cool, to say the least, kind of taking <laughs> the chances, going, traveling around, coming back. And honestly, I feel like, too, like your career has been taking a lot of chances. It's like you've traveled far away, you've come back, but even when you're coming back, you're still like experimenting and testing new things and ways to grow the sport. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's it's everyone says, oh, you're going to go back to the States and play. That's kind of risky. Uh, but for me, it's not a risk at all. I feel like my friends and family are here in the States and that's what, that fills my bucket up. You know, like it's really hard just to have one passion and be volleyball alone. I really needed that more balanced lifestyle to still love volleyball and compete at my best. And so I, that's why I love playing in the States. And for other people, they love the chance to travel and go see a new country and I think I would have enjoyed that more had my first experience not been during COVID, but it was just really isolating and lonely. And I was like, okay, I, I need to be around some- You're like, time to come back to my people. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, I love what we're trying to do here in the States because, you know, like growing up, you, you didn't think that there was anything past the collegiate level in terms of indoor volleyball, or you didn't hear about it until you got to college and you're like, oh, there's leagues in other countries. But now there are starting to be multiple leagues here in the United States, and I think that's just amazing for the sport. So exciting. And I feel like getting to be kind of one of those trailblazers, it not only fills your bucket from the person standpoint, but I feel like it fills your bucket from the 
let's create and let's make something really fantastic, building a culture up the way that you've kind of, I feel like experienced throughout your career, which is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super fun to be a part of all starting up. You're like, wow, this is the first of it all. And it, it's, it is really fun. Yeah, and then all the years down the road, now you're going to be looking back and you're you're going to be able to do the like back in my day when we had. <laughs> yeah, you're good. When I'm when I'm old and definitely retired. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pat, once we're out out of retirement, and then you come back and you're like, back in my day, this was the start, <laughs> and now you guys have this existing league that's been around for and hopefully will last forever. And yeah. here's my story. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think before we kind of jump into the meat of all of this, listening to your background and for all the listeners out there who are our Strong Girls regulars and as well as our new listeners who are hopping in, something that we do with Strong Girls United that we run with all of our girls is we talk about mindfulness practices and we talk about how in every day, good or bad, you can always, you always have an opportunity to find three good things. And Mm -hmm. We emphasize the importance of finding those three good things, because if you find three good things, it's much easier to live your life not dwelling on all the bad that happened, because at least you had three good things. And I feel like something that I've loved having athletes share, not necessarily the three good things that happened in their day, but the three good things, your three favorite things that happen in your sport. Like what are, amidst all the highs and lows, your three favorite things that come from your sport? This is a great question. I think number one are the friendships that I've gained through the sport of volleyball. I think I've met so many incredible people that inspire me on and off the court and push me to be a better person. And that's something I'll always be grateful for through the sport of volleyball. Uh, Second thing, I love working towards a goal. I think when you play a sport, you're always looking to improve and grow this idea of growth mindset. And I think volleyball gives me that opportunity um, to keep growing um, no matter what level of play you're at, you can still continue to improve. And I, I love thinking about that. And the third thing I would say, I love how the sport challenges me. Like I'm going to have my, the highs and the lows in the sport, but I think that's only going to help me feel more prepared when I decide to make a career pivot and go into something completely different, but being pushed now and knowing that I'm pushed, I don't know. I think it's just going to help with preparedness down the road. Yeah. Living life in a constant challenge so that when bigger challenges come, like they just feel like they're part of the routine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I'm trying to find a better word for than fun for that. Be, seeing as how I play a pretty similar sport, close, not exactly yeah. the same, but pretty dang close. I'm like, yeah, I love the challenges that come with sport. And I feel like just being an athlete in general, like, learning to work through that, it makes all the other challenges outside of sport so much easier because you already do and handle them inside sport. Yeah, definitely. So kind of going back to your foundation and spanning through, starting in Northern Kentucky, but spanning through, do you feel like there was anything that was your like defining foundation for not just, okay, I want to play volleyball because of the fact that my friends are doing it. Like what was the defining foundation of why you chose the position you chose, why you chose just your whole path? Do you have any distinct moments of where your foundation came from? Yeah, I I really enjoyed my club days and, and my high school days because I played with the same group of girls for both. And I feel like we were always the underdogs. And so we had this mentality instilled in us that, 
maybe we weren't the most talented team out there, but we were going to outwork every single team. And I really liked that we would focus on the controllables, like effort. That was something we could always control our attitude, like how we treated each other on the court and our focus. If you think about the sport of volleyball, the ball's only in the air for so long. And how engaged can you be when the ball is in the air? And I feel like those, those three things are something that I try to carry with me throughout the entirety, have tried to carry out with myself throughout all my career. And yeah, I, I feel like, like going back to the club days, I remember coaches like just doing the pit drill where a coach is at the net, they have a bunch of balls and they just toss them all around the court and you just try to get a hand on the ball with your partner who's also on the court. And that's something, I mean, I would still do that drill today, but just that effort piece of it, I feel like that was instilled in me at a young age and it's what I love about the sport. I love that. Just continuing to give more and more effort. I feel like also you would maybe be the greatest partner in the history of ever doing pit drill with. <laughs> I don't think there's really many chances that people would get to let a ball drop on you. Even in the beach, it was really hard to make one drop on you. But on the indoor court, which I'm going to have to ask you in a second, because there's this special location, population one that people liked to talk about in college that still definitely exists to this day. But I feel like you were probably like the best partner ever. I know <laughs> that nothing's going to drop when I've got Morgan with me as my teammate. Looking at that from just the point of effort, that makes a lot of sense for why you exist in so much, so many pieces of the court. Because I mean, if you put in that little extra bit of effort, like nothing really, nothing really is that hard to get. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's having it become a habit, you know, forcing yourself to go. If you tell yourself, oh, that's too far away or, you know, that's someone else's zone, there's value in creating jobs and roles on the court. But then don't place that limitation on yourself that you can't get to a ball. So, like, if you develop the habit of continuing to go and force yourself to go, um, I think that only helps um, expand your range. There's no limitations, no boundaries in Hentsville. When Hentsville is <laughs> when Hentsville is in existence, it just spans everywhere. There's no real borders. Everybody's welcome, but the real population is just one, and it's because you can travel anywhere. Uh, <laughs> now, with me saying the word Hentsville, I know it, you know it, volleyball players know it who know you. But for those listeners who don't know what Hentsville is, could you give us a little bit of background and uh, why it's such like a fun piece of, I don't know, something that makes you laugh? <laughs> yeah, so I think it was the 2018 Final Four uh, with Stanford. And one of the broadcasters, Holly Rowe, broke out a sign that she had made, or I don't know if she made it or someone made it, <laughs> um, but she had it. It said Hentsville Population One. And it was really sweet of her to make, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really funny. I don't, I, I got to take the sign home with me after the tournament, uh, which I was awesome. It. I think my, my younger sister was like, can I have that please? And I was like, okay, you can take it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was really sweet of her to make that, but I, I, like you said, everyone's welcome. <laughs> Every, everyone's welcome, but the, and there's no borders, but I feel like, <laughs> Also, it was so fun as a watcher of that, like, <laughs> Final Four. They would put up, like, a full city sign. And it was, so they would say, like, oh, this is Hensville Population 1. And they'd pull up, like, a picture of a volleyball court. And then they'd start out with where 
the libero defensive like kind of span typically is and then they just kept growing it and that's what they would talk about of that's Huntsville and that's the power of Huntsville is it just keeps growing because she's able to get anything and it would be like you'd dive on you'd get some ball up that everybody just had their jaws on the floor looking at and somebody'd be like you see the Huntsville borders they're ne- they're always open she never is restricted <laughs> so funny. it was such a it was such a funny thing in college, and I feel like watching you play and experiencing you as a player, there is no restriction to the level of what you think you're able to cover mentally and then what you're physically able to cover. There really isn't much of a limit to that either. And so I think it was a cool little – I love that it makes you laugh hearing about the words too because I, th- I remember thinking about it, and we used to smile and watch it happen, and all of us would be like, can you believe she got that up? And by the time that it was – I don't even know by the time that you guys won your last national championship in 2019 season, I say 19 because it was 1920 school year. But during that season, I remember people would ask me, does she do that all the time? I was like, yeah, that's just Morgan. That's what she does. (laughs) Well, you think too highly of me. (laughs) No, I think that I think pretty equally with the rest of the world. I just don't think you give yourself enough credit, which probably attributes to why you're as phenomenal of an athlete as you are. (laughs) Well, thank you, Char. (laughs) Yeah. Now, with your existence as a player, I feel like in volleyball, like it's a very superstitious sport. Do you have any superstitions when you play or just like in general, like surrounding games, playing practices? What are your superstitions? Could you go into them? Yeah. (laughs) So growing up and in college, I was so superstitious. So one of my, my freshman year of college, this one was really weird. Uh, (laughs) One of my good teammates she would wear a headband like for practice and I would have to wear her headband for games. That was a weird <laughs> one. That was really weird. This in college, uh, we would always have training table like for breakfast and there was always an omelet station, but I couldn't get an omelet on game days. I don't know why. Like I just couldn't eat, couldn't get an omelet. Like that was off the table. Couldn't, can't do it. I usually had to wear like the same knee pads and the same elbow pads uh, before games, and sometimes I would even have to put like one on the left leg, then on the right leg. But as I've as I've gotten older, <laughs> I've been able to let go of most of my superstitions. Like every once in a while, I'll be like, "Ooh, I played good in this ponytail. Like I'm gonna reuse it." Or I ate this like right before the game. Like I'm gonna do it again. Or I have to have an applesauce packet before I play. But with like traveling all over the place and your environment's never the same, those superstitions make it like really hard to keep up and it it almost becomes stressful. And so now I almost have a superstition of not having superstitions. So now I'm like, okay, I played well in this ponytail. Like I'm going to break it so I can't use it again. Or you know what? Oh, wow. We'll have a couple of different meal options. And I think that's like helped me feel a little bit more free and less like, oh, I have to do this before every (laughs) game. And if like something were to go wrong, I'd be like, okay, that's all right. We're going to do something different today. But it's taken me a long time to get there. <laughs> I like that. I like, okay, we played, I played good in this ponytail holder. Boom, snap yeah. and break that thing. Yeah. Like on See to the later. next one. It was yeah. good vibes. Yeah. Now let's release those good vibes out so that I can have them in the future too. It's yeah. almost like letting everything flow out so that you can then bring it internally. Yes. Instead of just letting it all lock in and get tight. I like that. It's yeah. fun. I yeah. used to have like, 
on sand in summer when we were able to wear bikinis i had specific bikini bottoms that that, <laughs> that i couldn't wear but it wasn't that i had to wear a specific pair it was that i couldn't wear a specific pair or two that i was like yeah no these are not these aren't my playing bottoms yeah. like they're just no bad vibe <laughs> no. bottoms they're not for they're not for tournament days goodness gracious in college because we didn't play in bikini bottoms because we played in spandex i had like three pairs of underwear because we would do three game days in a row <laughs> and so it was like those were the only things and if i didn't do laundry before we left for a travel trip i would make sure that i like either hand wash them or ran to the laundry room late mm. at night to make sure that i had I my three these. pairs of game day <laughs> these are my game day underwear like i don't have other game day underwear yeah. <laughs> but now yeah i don't think that i have anything in particular i would always have I had like teammates do my hair in a specific way. I was known in college as like braids and buns was my thing junior mm -hmm. through fifth year. And we had a family tree in the Stanford Beach locker room, as you know. But yeah. even in the family tree, we've drawn everybody's stick figures. They're things that they're recognizable with. And I had little buns on mine because everybody's <laughs> like, you know, her game day buns. And now my hair isn't quite long enough to do all the fancy game day hair. Plus, I don't know how to do it myself. Shout out to Kate mm -hmm. Riley for doing my hair for three years. <laughs> but now that I don't have her around all the time, I just throw it up in whatever's easy and just whatever don't works. really have anything. Exactly. Whatever works yeah. now. It's the internal vibes that'll get you, not the external factors is kind of my yes. thought process now. <laughs> I like that. I like that. What internally is a driving factor for you? Or like, how do you stay motivated? Do you have any phrases when you're playing that help you to keep your head in the game or to help you stay focused? Is there anything that internally when you're in game is yeah. keeping you motivated? Yeah, I think oh, what I like about volleyball is that like no one's going to have a perfect game. Like it's impossible to have a perfect game. And I like there's always room for improvement. I like I love the idea of growth mindset. And so that's what helps me like when I'm having a practice or I'm like, oh, I don't want to be back here. I'm like, but I still have things to work on. I'm here for my teammates and I'm here to continue growing and learning. And then in the games, I'm a really nervous person. Like I get nervous before every match, sometimes even every practice, I'll, I'll get a little butterflies, which at first I thought that was a bad thing. I'm like, why, why is this happening to me? I'm 25 years old. I've been doing this since I was 10 years old. Like you would think by now, like those butterflies would go away, but I think it's just a sign that I still care. I still care a lot. Like I still have that passion. And so when I remind myself and kind of reframe that mindset of like, oh, I shouldn't be nervous. It's like, no, it's because I care and I still love this sport. That helps settle my nerves. And in a match, I, I usually just say like, fudge it. I've been here. I've prepared. Just play. It's just volleyball. And and I like to say, you're not alone. Volleyball is the epitome of a team sport. You've got so many people around you to help you out. And at the end of the day, the, the goal is to win as a team and and to and to just give it all you have. And so when I remind myself of the controllables, you're not alone and just be free and give it all you got. Like, that's what helps me settle my nerves and be locked in. Settle the nerves, but then like also embrace them, which is so cool. It's yeah. like if you didn't have nerves, it wouldn't be you. You wouldn't be you without a little bit of butterflies in your tummy before games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, def. Uh, I, as much as I hate the butterflies, like you kind of need them <laughs> to help you prepare for playing in a match. Oh my gosh, totally. I used to say I get game day stomach is what I would say. I couldn't, mm. I can't eat that much before I play because of the fact that my adrenaline starts running so far ahead of games that I'm like, if I have a game, it doesn't matter what time in the day I'm playing. I'm I'm not able to take that much down because my adrenaline and nerves are just like running through me. And then yeah. once that day is over, I'm eating the biggest dinner that I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I'll take three plates, but <laughs> but my I totally feel that that it's like there's a piece of it that I just kind of had to learn to embrace that piece because at first I was like, oh no, what's going on? Am I not fueling properly? And then I'm like, no, no, no. This is just all a piece of it. This is just all yeah. a piece of the sport. I'm prepared. I've done everything I can in this moment to prepare, but this is just a piece of who I am. This is what's going to happen in that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Outside of being on the court, what's your biggest driver to keep continuing and keep moving and keep doing what you're doing? What's kind of like your biggest driver in that moment? I think my family has always been super encouraging, like to follow your dreams. And like when I, and my dream has been to play volleyball, but I didn't, I honestly didn't think I'd be playing this long. And I think they do a good job of reminding me like, Hey, would you want to be doing, what would you want to be doing differently right now? And every time I come back to that question, I don't really have an answer. And I think until I have an answer and I'd be like, I think I see myself here and I'd rather be doing this. Then I'd be like, okay, that's my time to hang up the shoes, hang up the knee pads and move on. But right now I'm, it's still really fun. And I think like, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself, especially in college. Like you have to win, you have to get this, you, you have to reach here. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I don't need to put that pressure on myself anymore. How much can I enjoy this now? This is just all added bonuses at this point. And I think with that mindset, I've learned to have a little more fun while playing. Yeah, the added bonus side of things makes volleyball way more fun than when yeah. you rely completely on winning. Because like you were saying, I mean, volleyball is just a giant game of mistakes. Yeah. And so if you put too much pressure on the mistakes, then you're just going to make more because the whole game is surrounding mistakes. Yeah, you're so focused on make, like the mistake that you just made that you can't move on to the play in front of you. And I don't know, there's this show, I've, I don't know, if you, have you seen Ted Lasso? Yes. <laughs> so I, I love when he says, like, be a goldfish because they have a short-term memory loss. And I feel like in volleyball, you have to have a short-term memory loss. It's always, okay, next point, next point. And then maybe after the match, you could be like, okay, I wish I would have done this, this, and this better. But I usually give myself, like, an hour to do that. And then it's time to move on. It's time to move forward. New day tomorrow. Exactly. And then maybe look for your three good things. You're like, all right, yes. well, amidst all the bad... I at least did three good things. That's yes, kind of where yes. I go. Totally. I'll get nitpicky. Serving. I'll be like, I missed too many serves that game. I, I'll go back and I'll watch film. And I was like, was it really as bad as I felt? And it's never as bad as you actually feel. No, no. <laughs> like you could feel so icky from how everything's going. And then you go back and you reflect whether you have film or whether you just start to recount it from memory or even if you talk to a coach or talk to a teammate and you ask kind of their perspective seeing from a perspective that isn't your own is one of the best ways to grow and continue to form new opinions of past occurrences that you might not even remember by the time that it's all over. Yeah, exactly. Your own, you're totally subjective and biased. And it's never, like you said, when you, I've done that multiple times, go back and watch them. I'm like, oh, it wasn't that terrible. I like made it way worse in my mind than it actually was. I feel like too, looking at the grand scheme of things and with your foundation being so rooted in the fact that you had such a strong team culture, looking back at your teammates growing up in club and in high school, them being all the same, going to Stanford, having a really extremely close team process there. I feel like that could have been really easy to have like a team rallying around you to help you kind of alleviate some of the pressure that you put on yourself as well. Yeah, I think growing up, I didn't necessarily talk about the times like when I was having a rough day 
But then I, my teammates knew me well, and I think they would come over and like squeeze my hand. Like I didn't have to say it, but they would know. And even just that physical touch and then recognizing that, like they relieved that pressure off my shoulders. And then it's still to this day, I feel more comfortable saying now, like if I'm in a match or in a practice and I'm struggling, I'm going to tell the person next to me, hey, I need you to cover more seam. I'm not passing very well. Help me out so I can just focus on this. And even just verbalizing I'm nervous or I'm struggling, like it's for some reason, it just feels like a weight lifted off the shoulders. And uh, and that's why I love volleyball because you're, you're not alone. You're never alone. Never, ever alone. And honestly, I feel like that must help build a team culture. When you're able to share that yourself, it adds for the ability for others to share it too. Uh, totally. I think like once one person like says it, it's a ripple effect. And then like hearing other people say, hey, I I'm feeling the same way. It's okay. Uh, they're in the same boat as me. Like we, we can do this together. So yeah, you're right. It it's being vulnerable and accepting help. That's huge. Now, looking at that, adding to that with the team culture of kind of like, it's a struggle to begin with, but if we're all in this together, then it kind of becomes easier because if we're all mutually struggling, we can struggle together and still make things happen, make great yeah. things happen. Like that kind of comes, I feel like that comes with an established team culture, but it also comes with you guys committing to working on it and being there with each other. And I feel like going, you've gone through a bunch of different teams. And I feel like looking at Athletes Unlimited, the league where you guys have mixing up teams every single week that you play, what's your mindset going in? How do you kind of establish and build a strong team culture when you have a changing revolving door of teams? Yeah, I think the league does an amazing job of setting up events for us to get to know each other off the court. So we're having a lot of these conversations about like what kind of teammates we want to be and what's going to be our standard before we're even starting to play. Because it's really important that you put yourself out there and you try to get to know each and every one of the girls here. Like there's 44 of us playing and I, obviously you're going to know some people better than you do others, but it's important to reach out. And, but I love that the league provides opportunities. Like we'll have on Wednesdays uh, this uh, year, we're going to have this thing called closing the block where we'll talk about some different subjects that are close to our hearts. I think last year we had like some of the mothers that are still playing, like talk to us about what it's like to be a mom and still compete at an extremely high level in the sport of volleyball. And one was on like some, some political topics. So it's a really wide range of things, but I think there are hard conversations that allow you to get to know someone a bit faster. So basically we're doing everything at like an expedited rate. So an expedited rate to just have like an increased closeness of everybody. So then when you will all step on the court, regardless of team, there's yeah. already that established closeness and culture because yeah. of the fact that you've all had those moments together. Oh, that's really, really cool. I feel like you've kind of filtered in and around and helped build a lot of cultures of greatness. Looking through your time at Stanford, looking through starting this career with USA Volleyball, looking at Athletes Unlimited, there's been some creation and there's been some existence of this culture of greatness in volleyball of that you're looking to continue or be a part of or grow. What has it been like both learning and growing as an underclassman or as a beginner in kind of these programs all the way to leading the charge? Because I know now you've kind of, you're a vet in AU now and you were a vet by the end of your time at Stanford, but you guys were able to continue to lead and to create even though it was already established, but continue to create and establish like this incredible culture of greatness and 
high expectations, but support nonetheless. And so I'm wondering, how do you lead and simultaneously like continue to create like the incredible culture that you've gone through? Yeah, I think, I think the first step is always getting to know the people around you. I think sometimes in volleyball or any sport, we can look at the people around us and see them as players only. Like we don't think about what a person is like off the court. And so I think when you see someone as a, as a full whole person and that their like identity is not only wrapped up about in sport, I think it's really easy to connect with someone better and help create that culture of greatness and competitiveness and striving for our best. I, I think that's like the number one most important thing. And then another thing is establishing your goals as a team. Like, what are we working towards? How are we going to achieve that? What are the tangible steps? Because we can say we want to win. Like, obviously, miss every team wants to win. But what are these small steps that we can take as a team to, to achieve this overarching goal? But I, I think it, it always starts with getting to know people on and off the court and making that effort. I know a lot of coaches will say like, you don't have to like each other, but you have to love each other and you have to show each other the respect on and off the court, whether you get along or not. And I think that's something that's huge and pivotal in creating like a strong team culture. I love that. And then in, in a piece of it, I feel like a lot of it, you learn to love each other and almost as a result, you start to like each other a bit too, if you didn't already. So by the end of it, there's like, you already, your goal was to already get really close and really appreciate and love and respect each other. But then by the end of it, you're like, oh, I actually really like this person. I don't yeah. know what, what happened in the past, but I, I really enjoy these people that I get to surround myself with. And I really love that we're working for this really cool set of goals that we've set for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You find, you find something to connect with or like one similarity. You, you find it. Yeah. But you got to make the effort for it. Oh, Yeah. Speaking of big connections and favorite moments of that, what's the goofiest team you've been a part of? I think I know the answer to this, but the goofiest team you've been a part of and <laughs> the goofiest thing that you've done as an example of that team. <laughs> Ooh, this is, uh, it's, it's gotta be both, both Stanford teams, indoor and beach. I feel like <laughs> we, I've never laughed so hard on bus rides, on um, like traveling, on the planes. Oh my gosh, like so much laughter and joy. And like, uh, I can't even think of one specific moment, but it, it always stems to locker room. Locker room conversations and just absolutely goofing around, whether that's dancing, someone pulling a prank, like putting stuff in someone's locker. Oh my gosh, like Jenna Gray, she was my indoor teammate. She also played beach for one year or freshman year. She constantly had something up her sleeve, like some prank that she was going to pull on someone that day. She was always brainstorming something. And I was, I was, she was, it was pure entertainment. I was there ready to watch whether I was in on the prank or I was the one being pranked. But I, I just, I, I, I will never forget time in the locker room just spent with everyone because everyone's just, I feel like free to be themselves there. Oh, yeah. I feel like you, whether you can confirm nor deny, either inserted yourself or got inserted by Jenna into several prank wars through the years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Jenna was the mastermind, but you also had the sneaky ideas that nobody was quite expecting, <laughs> I remember. But I feel like that was something that was so cool that you guys were leading the charge and like creating a really awesome team culture that added to the locker room. 
as both upper and underclassmen, I feel like you guys were always on some sort of antics together um, that ended up leading to a lot of increased closeness with people that you might not have necessarily expected to start, but ended up like growing a lot of senses of, again, closeness, I feel like is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I loved like in our preseason, at least in the fall, we were there, we got there in August, but school didn't start till like end of September. And we would room in the freshman dorms, like it was a one room double, so two people in one room. And our coaches would often put us like with an underclassman. So it'd be upperclassmen, underclassmen. And I feel like that was a great way to get to know like each other better when I think it's really easy to fall back. Oh, I'm just going to hang out with the friends that I already have on the team. But it helped us like get to know everyone on the team really well. That is so fun. It's such a unique thing because I feel like normally people only get that in sport, mm-hmm. especially in sports that like happen during the school year. They only get that when they're on travel trips and when you get like your assignments on travel trips of who you're rooming with. But the fact that you guys got to do it like in preseason before school started, before you had to move in or even think about school, you just got to grow together because that was all that you guys really had because you didn't have to worry about school. You had to think about volleyball mm-hmm. and getting to become friends with one another. Yeah, and it, we always played a bunch of games like whether it was board games card games or like i don't know we had a water balloon fight one time we just came up with the craziest stuff to do or just going out and getting meals together like that was super fun as well just added that sense of hey we're all in this together we're really working to love each other like back to what you said of like we don't necessarily have to like each other, but we're going to spend the time together so that we love each other by the end of this thing. Because if we're all working towards a common goal, we might as well love each other while doing it because it's not going to be fun for anybody if we don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think it, it's, you're right. It's, you can tell when it's fun and when it's not when you watch a team. And so, yeah. Exactly. Looking back through your career so far, I know that you've said that you're only 25. So by technicality, you're young, but your career has spanned 15 years now. And I feel like looking at athletes, you say like, oh, how long have you been playing your sport? And you're like, wow, that's actually been a huge piece of my life that I didn't even think about because it's just there. It's always a constant. But spanning your career of all of the moments that you've had throughout the years, do you have any moments that stand out as favorite pieces or pieces that felt like they were career shaping for you? Yeah, I think my first time, I love my 18th year of club. I think that was a huge moment. Like I actually got to play outside hitter growing up, which was super fun. I I really loved it, but I love, I just loved my teammates at that. And at that point we were just, we'd been playing with each other for like five plus years and we just knew each other really well. And it was, we had a connection that was super special on the court. And I just remember that club season being really fun and us achieving some goals we didn't think were possible. Next, I, I think about my, there was one game my freshman year was in the tournament to go to the final four. We were playing Wisconsin. We were the clear underdogs. We were playing at Wisconsin. They had a full field house, field house, and we went down the first two sets. And I remember thinking like, well, here we go. Like we, one more, we're probably going to get swept here. And I remember our team leader at the time, her name was Inky Ajanaku, pulls us. We were in the locker room. We had a little bit of an intermission after the second set. And she's like, guys. You got to believe in yourselves. And she said it much more eloquently than I did. But she basically gave this super inspiring speech and be like, hey, you got to believe right now that you are capable of doing this and us coming back. And we did. And like after I don't I can't even remember exactly what she said, but I just remember getting goosebumps and being like, yeah, we, we need to believe like right now that we are capable of doing this. And that just felt like a a big shift in my mindset continuing forward 
going into each match, you need to believe that you can win. But also, you're going to have to scrape and grip and grit to get by because no team's ever going to give it to you easy. Anyone can win on any given day. So I feel like that was a really big pivotal moment and a favorite one. And then, actually, like, I love my time with Athletes Unlimited in 2022. I was coming off of a knee injury. And I had come from playing overseas where where I didn't really have it very easy. I wasn't playing. Uh, I was the backup libero. And I was trying to navigate how I could be a good teammate and still grow. And when I was coming back to Athletes Unlimited and playing, like I was nervous. I'm like, I haven't been in this role in a while. I just had an injury. Am I prepared to play? And all the girls around me were just super encouraging. And I just felt, I felt the love from them. And slowly my confidence grew and got back to where it was. But I felt like my love for the sport was reignited by playing in the league. And if it weren't for them, I'm not sure I would still be playing volleyball to this day. Wow. That gave me goosebumps, like hearing all of those. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's like one of those things that like the people define the career and yeah. just make it so much more special. And I feel like, too, going back, listening to Inky saying those words to you guys, it's so cool because not only did you guys end up believing in yourselves and winning that game, but then you won the next two, won the whole national championship, which was largely a freshman team, like led by Inky, I remember. I, weren't you guys called like the Inkettes or something your freshman yeah. year like or something <laughs> like that? And I remember hearing the story of like how she was really able to get you guys to like rally together. So hearing that, that she led that charge and got you guys to kind of like force some belief into yourselves. And then you guys came back and beat this heavy favorite. That's so fun. I do need to hear now because I actually don't think I knew that you were an outside growing up. <laughs> What made you choose libero? What made what caused the switch to libero? Was that something that you always knew that you were going to do, or what was the path switching from outside hitter? Speaking as a former outside myself, what was kind of your path to choose libero over outside? Yeah, so I actually really wanted to try and, and continue being an outside in college, but I would have been a little bit undersized. So I'm like five eight, five nine ish, um, and I was really trying to. But then like I took my visit to Stanford and they were like, we would want you as a libero here. And I just fell in love with Stanford as a school, like the girls on the team and just the academics overall. And I was like, I'm, I'm willing to make this transition. And you know what? Beach gave me that opportunity to still be like, like an outside hitter because you have to be yeah. able to do every single skill. And so that's something I loved. And I'm really grateful for Beach for allowing me to play every single skill like obviously at the libero position you have to be able to do a lot still but like I, I missed attacking for a long time and I, I, I got to attack in beach I'm like okay I still get my fill of being like an outside hitter you got to attack and you also had a decent stint as a blocker on beach we knew that you weren't the biggest fan because you were like hey I, I am not this is my position is behind I people usually but we loved it because we're like, hey, guys, you know that all-American libero who just gets everything up? She's a blocker for us, and she <laughs> actually is a pretty dang good blocker. And it was so fun. It was it was so fun experiencing you from both sides. I feel like you were a really good motivator on beach of the nothing drops mentality of, like, the if anything, you can put in effort. Like, if everything is uncontrollable, the one controllable thing that you have is effort. And I feel like that spanned a long time past you with the team because of the fact that the people who got to learn that from you ended up taking that and continuing to lead throughout the year. So I remember even like the last year that I was there this past year, we still talked about it of like, if anything, you got to put in effort of everything that you have in you. 
the effort is above all else because you might be able to get that ball up. You might, mm. you never know until you try. But yeah, I remember we we would literally brag about the fact that you were a blocker for us from time to time. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if that, there's much to brag about. I was not a good blocker. <laughs> but you were the best pole digger in the history of ever, I think. <laughs> I wish that we had more film of the crazy random ups or scramble plays you and Sunny or you and Amelia would have. I don't think I've ever seen scrappier beach volleyball than when you're pole digging and somebody thinks that they have nobody up, so they just go to rip it at you and you're like, easy, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> That was what we used to say. We were like, yeah, Morgan's just thanking them for giving her the opportunity to show the thing that she's really good at. <laughs> we're like, don't force her to the net or like force her at the net because that's going to be the thing that she's that you might be able to get her on. But if you get her off the net, that ball is not dropping. Like you're yeah, going to be lucky. They're just going over me. <laughs> I felt <laughs> but so beyond bad for that, the defenders behind me. <laughs> no, it was perfect because then again, they were able to put in the effort that they knew that you were going to give right back to them and giving the setback. <laughs> no. Well, thank you, Char. <laughs> yeah, easy. I love that. I feel like I didn't know that, like not knowing that you were an outside, it makes a little bit more sense why you were able to absolutely detonate on some balls as well on hitting. <laughs> but that's so cool. That kind of being recruited to Stanford like changed your journey a little bit. I didn't know that, that the libero position kind of came later in your career. I kind of always thought you just embodied that position always. So that's kind of fun that you changed and then now like your every bit of being is like you're this defensive master. <laughs> oh, I, we've got much to work on still. <laughs> lot to work on, but a lot of good that's existed already. <laughs> and there's that growth mindset of yours too, where you're like a lot to work on, always a lot to work on. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good that's come so far. <laughs> I know we've talked a lot about kind of like the greats and the highs of sport. But I know like as an athlete, I'm sitting here kind of recollecting through my career some times that haven't felt as high. And I feel like a huge piece of mindfulness and something that we talk about with Strong Girls United is that with our girls, we explain like sports are not always going to feel great. They're not always going to feel pretty. There's going to be a lot of lows. Would you maybe share with our listeners what have kind of lows in sport felt like to you or lows in life felt like when they translate into sport? And like, how has your journey been with lows along with the highs? Yeah, I've, I honestly feel like I have a low every other day with the sport of volleyball. I would say I'm pretty hard on myself. I tend to carry, like I hold on to my my mistakes. I remember in college, especially like my freshman, sophomore year, I was really, really bad about letting those mistakes go, whether they were in matches or in practices. And I would hold on to them and never release them, let them roll off my back. And I had, I remember like after a match one time calling, calling my dad, we had won the match, but I was so angry with myself because I didn't think I played very well. And I'm calling my dad and I'm complaining about, I didn't get this dig. I didn't pass very well. I didn't do this, this, and this. And suddenly he goes, you know what? You're being really selfish. And I was like, hey, what? Like, how dare he say that to me? Like, and I think I hung up the phone and I was so mad, but I like, I hung up the phone cause I knew he was right. Like I was just thinking about myself and I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this for such a long time. And that was a big, it was another pivotal moment for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to stop this. I need to put some regulations around myself for how much time I can think about a mistake and when it's time to just forget about it. So like in matches, I try really hard to be like, next ball, next ball. No matter what play, good or bad, next ball. Practices, all right, we can work through something, like ask for an extra rep. But eventually, you got to let it go. 
And then after a match or after practices, you can review some video, go over it a little bit, but don't hold on to it too long. And yeah, but I still like, I still struggle. Like when I have a bad day, I'm like, oh, I could have done this, this, and this better. And, and then you have some burnout sometimes. You're like, I just need a little bit of a break. It, and like, for some reason I had this mindset, like growing up, you're never going to have these highs or lows, like, or I should have it figured out by now. I think Sue Enquist, um, she was a softball coach at UCLA, super success, successful, like won over 10 national championships with them. And now she's kind of a mindset coach. And she actually came and spoke with Athletes Unlimited the other day. And I love that she talked about finding mastery in your sports is basically navigating through those highs and those lows, knowing that you are going to have those highs and lows. You're never going to have those. You're never going to have perfect days. The highs and lows are inevitable. They're like going to come and, and up here. Like that's how we're going to handle and like get through it. So I, I liked when she said that. Like you can play this like a sport for however many years, but once you reach a certain level, everyone's at that level and they're really great. And so it's like, how can you be like, okay, how can I get through those tough days, get through that burnout and like continue and, and know that they're going to come. Like it's going to come, how I'm going to handle it uh, mindfully. I love that. Is there a way that you almost build your confidence up? Like knowing that that low is going to come or knowing that that exists. Do you have any ways or have you had anybody talk to you about ways to grow your own confidence when things are getting you down or when the sport is taking you down a route that you're kind of getting more upset with or when you're experiencing a low? Yeah, I feel like for me, like confidence is really fleeting. When I'm playing well, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel great. I'm in my flow. But then when I'm playing bad, when I'm playing bad, I'm like, okay, I just think of like, move through it, like moving through it. Okay, how to play bad play. Let's focus on this next one. And what, what am I, how is my self-talk? Usually I'm like, all right, we're going for this next one. We're going to keep, like I tell myself to be a little more aggressive, to communicate a little more and to think about what my teammates are doing around me. And that sometimes helps me get out of my own head, like focus on the people around me and communicate at a, at a better level. So almost like multiply what you were already thinking of when you hit that low point, when you know that you're kind of going through, like going in a downward direction, you're amplifying opportunity for good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just try to get, uh, we talk about getting external. And I think like if you are bottling up things, you're thinking about yourself, like just try to let it go. Think I always like really pick set. a teammate, like this teammate is doing super well. I'm going to keep feeding her. I'm going to really communicate with her or just like call shots for her. And that sometimes can help you get out of that low. Yeah. Bringing the external focus out there. If you put it all out there, if you tell the teammate, hey, I'm struggling with this, it makes it a lot easier to embrace that struggle because of the fact that it's out there. Everybody, everybody knows it. You know it. Other people know it. Once it's out there, it's easy because then you can release it. It's it's in existence. It goes yes. on. Yes. Oh, that's so fun. Have you ever found it hard in volleyball of like, have you ever found it like, I almost want to say lonely. Have you ever found times where you feel very lonely when you're playing the sport, even though, even when you're on a team, like surrounded by other people? Yeah. Like when I was in Germany, I felt, I felt pretty lonely. I was calling home a lot, calling my parents. I'm like, what am I doing over here? This is crazy. And then they were always great at uh, reminding me of perspective taking first and then reminding me, hey, you want to be doing, you want to be doing something else? I'm like, no. <laughs> um, so, but um, yeah, I think it can feel lonely at any point. Um, but that's it. That's why you have like your people outside of the sport to kind of lean on and talk to in those times of difficulty. Now, leaning on 
finding people to lean on, supporting it. I know that you had this really cool support system when you were younger, but looking forward to your career, looking back at your whole career, do you have anything that when you were younger that you wish you would have known? Like when you were in high school, like you wish you would know now that you were back then? I wish I would have led a little bit more balance of lifestyle. Like, like I was really intense with school and volleyball. And then when an opportunity for fun would come up, I'd be like, no, I have to be ready for school tomorrow or I have to be ready for practice. And I wish I would have just said yes. I'm like, okay. Like it's, it's, especially in grade school and high school, find that great balance of hanging out with friends, doing the things that you love outside of the sport and school. And I wish I would have said yes to more things. Um, not only actually in high school, I wish I would have done it in college a little bit more too. And I'm, I'm, that's something I'm even working on now. Like I got a text from my parents the other day, like, make sure you try and have some fun out there. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like I'm going to plan like for my off day, I'm going to plan to go do something fun and not think about volleyball at all. Yeah. Just like, okay, yes. You want to go do something goofy outside of volleyball? Absolutely. Yes. Let's go be goofy. It's funny that you say that you wish that you would have done it more in college, but I might've, because of the fact that I got upperclassmen Morgan more than underclassmen Morgan in my career, I remember you were one of the people who encouraged me to say yes. I feel like you guys, like the upperclassmen on beach volley when I was younger, you guys like forced me out of the like volleyball in school or all that you can think about shell. <laughs> that was something that was so key for me was learning to do funny things outside of volleyball, whether it be with your teammates or beyond that, but like learning to say yes and go do goofy things for the day became such a vital part of college. And I feel like maybe it was because of the fact that you had had to learn it in your underclassmen years. And then when you were an upperclassman, you were able to teach it to us. But I love that, like being able to say yes to more, because I feel like that was something that made me love the sport so much more is when I started saying yes to things outside of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you felt that way. Um, I didn't always oh, feel yeah. that way, but I, I think like <laughs> you, you, you caught me after that pivotal conversation with my dad, my my uh, sophomore year. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is the yeah. So I'm glad you. I'm glad you got some of that. Oh no, totally. I'm like I'm remembering. Yeah, we we were goofy my freshman year. I feel like also we were we were a part of such a building program, building something yeah. that was so much that was going to be so much bigger, but it was so early in the program's history. I got to see Stanford Beach volleyball span through so much throughout my 5 years, but like that early year there was so much that went wrong with volleyball for us. I feel like that we had to find things to make the exterior feel really joyful so that when we came back, like we knew that we were still doing something that we really loved, but it just was going to be a little bit tougher than we were expecting it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, Mo, I think that's pretty much every question that I've had for you. I think all that I have left is our little Strong Girls United series questions, which are following the pillars of Strong Girls United as a nonprofit. And our pillars of the organization are strong bodies, kind hearts, and unstoppable minds. And so something that we're doing with the podcast is we're kind of compiling answers and and wanting to hear in from these examples of strong women like yourself your answers to how you do these things. So it can be as long or as short as you want, but starting with number one, how do you keep your body strong? One way I keep my body strong is fueling it, making sure I'm, I'm eating the right things, like having a balanced plate, carbohydrates, proteins, fruits, veggies, and then hydrating. That's something I'm like 
still continuing to work on. And, like, I'm just trying to keep, like, a water bottle, like, on me at all times to try and hydrate throughout the day. And then a little bit, like, weightlifting as well. It's something that I really enjoy. And now that I'm at the professional level, I have a little bit more say in what I can and can't do. And I know what my body can or cannot handle. Uh, but I really love weightlifting and it helps, really helps my knees, especially. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Weightlifting is, I honestly, I always loved it growing up, but I don't think I like fully fell in love with weightlifting until I went to college and had my knees start hurting. And then when I would lift, like my knees would hurt a little bit less because yeah. of the fact that they were so much more supported. So, so relatable on yes. that note on the knee saving. <laughs> Next up is how do you keep your heart kind? Heart kind. Oh, this is a really good question. I think investing in relationships. I think that's huge and showing love when you can. I think the biggest thing is like perspective taking, putting yourself in other shoes, knowing how they're going to feel. And I think, yeah, investing in your relationships and growing your relationships, like reaching out to loved ones and just constantly checking in on your people. I love that. Yeah. Just bringing more love into the scenario. I love that. (laughs) And then last, certainly not least, but last up is how do you keep your mind unstoppable mind unstoppable i think leading a balanced lifestyle finding things that you love in your sport but it's equally important to find things that you love outside of your sport and then i love i love the idea of focusing on the controllables whether it's in sport or outside of sport like what can i control and that's always effort attitude focus and how i treat other people yeah oh beautiful easy. <laughs> Good. So Mo, I really, I really can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting and getting to hear a little bit about your mindset behind everything. It's been so fun getting to chat and catch up on old times yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Charlie. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too, man. This has been awesome. Now for everybody listening in, thank you so much for taking your time today to listen and join us on this fun little conversation with our flashbacks and forward thought processes. This is Charlie Ekstrom, your host We're here with Morgan Hentz and we're on Strong Girls Podcast and we'll see you next time. Thanks. This podcast is sponsored by Strong Girls United, a nonprofit with a mission to empower girls to be strong, confident, and resilient through sports mentorship and mental health programming. Visit sgunitedfoundation.org to learn more on how you can get involved today.